Hello and welcome back to another riveting episode. <laughs> got it in early. I did. I got it in early. I tricked Sarah. We've no. got we've got Sarah DeYoung. We've got Pastor DJ Lura and Dana Mashevsky is back again. Yep. We are going to continue our talk. Who are you? Yeah. I'm Ryan Janke. Oh, good. Every, it, it's, it's everybody knows me. Yeah, yeah it's like uh, uh, Casey Kasem talking. You just there's really who? no question. Wait, Start talking. Who? Did you hear that? I left my what? Yep. I need to just get it on my Wait, phone. I'm, like I was born in '95. Yeah. K- is that what we need? Or a K? We need to start, start like a Google Drive yeah. of all the things that these two need to know about important cultural names and yeah. icons that they have no idea about. Who? They're both on their phones right now. <laughs> they're both on their phones. Do you know right who now. he looks like? Oh wait. Okay. Wait. Isn't he Scooby Doo? Yeah, it's yes. Scooby-Doo. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh. And, and Robin from Batman and Robin. He yep. was the voice oh. of Robin. Yep. In the Super and Friends cartoons. And America's, top, uh, America's uh, um, top 40. What was it called? I know Casey Kasem, but what was the name of the was show? Was it American Bandstand? No. No, that was no. after him? The, the, radio, the radio show that he did the... American the, Top 40. American Top 40, yeah. And he looks yeah. like Caesar from The Hunger Games. <laughs> what, who do you think that who Caesar is Caesar? based off of? Oh. Look I don't that. know. Who, I don't know who Caesar is. Oh, that would make a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Look at that full circle. No, you don't. You ever seen the Hunger I, Games? I, I've, I've seen the Hunger Games, but which <laughs> one is it? He's Steve uh, Buscemi. No, no. <laughs> Stanley Tucci. Yeah, Stanley Tucci. Stanley Tucci. Yeah, he's a good actor. Mm-hmm. He's in a lot. Really is he the guy with the cool sideburns? No, nope. That's he's, he's only in the first movie. No, Wolverine. Isn't that Lenny Kravitz? No. Lenny no, Kravitz is in Lenny Kravitz too. is the designer. Oh, yeah. yeah. Spoiler alert. He's gone by the second one. It's yeah. sad. Dude. <laughs> it's, it's, it's been, been out like long enough. <laughs> you haven't watched The Hunger you Games. You have no excuse. I just watched all of them the other weekend. I finally finished the last two. They're oh, that. Oh, that guy. Yeah. He's an Oompa Loompa. <laughs> <laughs> right? Are you calling Casey Kasem an Oompa Loompa? No, the guy from Hunger Games is an Oompa Loompa. Well... I'm what we certain. learned from DJ is he's based off Casey Kasem. So yes, you gotta see the movie. Yeah, you've well, I've never seen. seen I, I've oh. seen the movie. Yeah, but he's like a reporter. Well, I understand that. I, all I'm saying is he doesn't look like Casey Kasem. He looks like Oompa Loompa from no. Charlie and no, the Chocolate well, not, Factory. Not not how he's all dressed up and and makeuped but up. The, but think about Casey Kasem. How how he also would have like the perfect coiffed hair uh-huh. and the big smile, like Don Growth. There you go. I'll, uh, Sort of, but uh, <laughs> I, I, got perfect do you guys hair. really not know who Casey Kasem no. is? You never I, I feel like now that I know he's Scooby Doo, that's cool, but yeah, he's shaggy. Like, I know he's shaggy from Scooby-Doo. oh, okay, yeah, I know him now, but like, if you just said his name like that, I'm like, I don't growing know. up as kids before MTV, before um, internet, it was his show on the radio yeah. would let you know that. The you best would songs, know, top forty. Yeah, you would know his voice. Okay. You, I guarantee you'd have to. Who's Casey K? That's terrible. <laughs> I think we should move on. <laughs> Let's just drop the subject. Speaking <laughs> of controversial, <laughs> good segue. Good segue. Speaking of controversial, I was gonna make that one. We're going to continue our our discussion on controversial Bible verses today. Yeah. Do well, you have one in mind, or you just want me to wing one at you? Uh, I'd rather you go ahead and wing away. Um, there's one in Exodus that I'm, I'm glancing at right now. Okay. Um, let's see. But, but I'll go with whatever you say. Let's see. Exodus. Oh, Exodus 21. Yep. 20 and 21. 
Yep. Okay. And again, uh, this is a continuation of last week's episode. This is from a Ranker.com list of controversial Bible verses. Mm-hmm. So this is number two on the list. Number two. We covered right. number one last time. We did. Is this ranked in like just any order or is it their opinion of like most controversial to least? I think you can vote and oh. it changes. Y- y- yeah. Oh. Yep. 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 Very cool. Because the one that we did last week uh, is number one with 699 votes. Yes. How, how dare women preach and teach. Right. And this one's got 422. So that one is ahead by a mile. Okay. So this one is... Exodus 21, verses 20 and 21. Yep, so let's turn to Exodus 21, 20 through 21. Do you want to read it? Uh, sure. Exodus 21, 20 and 21. It says, and this is from the English Standard Version. Mm-hmm. When a man strikes his slave, male or female, with a rod and the slave dies under his hand, he shall be avenged. But if the slave survives a day or two, he is not to be avenged, for the slave is his money. What do you think? I think that's controversial. Well, yeah, especially in a 21st century mindset. I mean, what's more abhorrent than slavery? Right. I mean, you think about... um, the history of, of slavery uh, really getting, uh, really kind of being the original sin of our country, the United States. You know, I mean, we fought a civil war to overturn the practice of slavery, but slavery is as old as humanity. I mean, every culture everywhere has practiced slavery. Even mm-hmm. before there was um, a United States of America, the native peoples in the New World enslaved each other going back and forth. I mean, there's not a culture on the planet Mm -hmm. where slavery was not an institution of some form. And so you have in the writings, we're in Exodus, right? Yep. Um, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy is where we get the law as passed on to um, the people of Israel. Mm Mm-hmm. And so if you remember me talking last time, there's a couple tools in our toolkit to help us understand a verse like this, right? Um, Just real quickly, those tools are, first of all, Scripture proclaims Christ. Mm -hmm. So it's looking for how is this pointing to Jesus in some way, as strange as that may sound. Mm -hmm. Scripture proclaims law and gospel. You're going to hear it. It's going to convict you, and it's going to comfort you depending on what you need to hear. And it's the Holy Spirit who works this either convicting you of your sin or telling you how to treat your neighbor or um, forgiving you of your sins on account of Jesus Christ. That's along the gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, scripture has a plain sense, and it's important not just to read a verse out of context, but to read the entire thing. Like, for example, this entire section, section 21, is about uh, the laws about slaves for ancient Israel. Okay. It's not the laws about slaves for the United States of America. Right. It's the laws about slaves in ancient Israel. Right? Mm-hmm. So yep. in the context of a world where slavery is, a, is an institution, there are limits that are placed upon it in Israel, so much so that slaves were expected to be able to go free every seven years. That's not mentioned just by reading this. Right. Um, and slavery uh, was not perpetual like it was in our modern mindset concerning the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, it often was... Um, 
it's closer to indentured servitude, which for us in the Midwest, most likely we had family members that entered the United States as indentured servants in some ways. Okay. Even though none of us is um, of African descent, but being from European or Asian descent, yeah, indentured servitude when they came over. Mm -hmm. Um, Which is you basically answer to someone uh, for your food, for your board, for everything. Um, in a legal way, as compared to modern-day slavery, which is trafficking. Right. Where people are forced against their will to enter into um, a servitude role. Mm-hmm. So here it's talking about slavery in that culture, in that context, and in that time. So it's important to understand what do they mean when they talk about slavery in ancient Israel as compared to what our modern minds would think slavery is all about. Okay. Um, the fourth principle is that uh, Scripture interprets itself. And that's where I go back to, is this a verse for modern-day America, 21st century, North Dakota? Mm-hmm. Or is it a word of God for the people of Israel, and does it have a limitation? Does it come to an end? Mm-hmm. And I will, spoiler alert, all of the addendums to the Ten Commandments in the Old Testament have an expiration date, 587 B.C. Okay. For a lot of people who may not know that uh, 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 and read something like this and think, oh, what the Bible says that? The Bible must be bad. Mm-hmm. You're missing the context of the story. God has revealed himself over several, several centuries, millennia, to many different people in many different contexts. And God chooses to work in the midst of, of uh, the evil of humanity by limiting it and by working to emancipate it in many ways. Um, this, is, this is an example of, of that. The word for Israel is not the word for us. Mm-hmm. Because the law, the Old Testament law, um, and there's a difference between the Ten Commandments and the Old Testament law. The Ten Commandments you can look at as God's intentions for all of humanity. I'm the Lord your God. Um, uh, Remember the Shabbat. In other words, rest. Um, Do not make wrongful use of the name of the Lord your God. These are how we interact with God, the first three commandments. Mm -hmm. Four through ten talk about how we relate to our neighbor. Um, honor your father and your mother, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor, you shall not covet your neighbor's um, uh, stuff, and you shall not covet your neighbor's relationships. Mm-hmm. All these other commands are working off of one of those tens as yeah buts. So, so okay. think of it this way, like, you shall not murder. Yeah, but this person was trying to kill my parent, mm-hmm. and I accidentally killed them. Is that as bad as, you know, you shall not murder? Does that mean that I need to be, you know, put to death? That's what the rest of Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy do is they take issues in the culture that are yeah, but questions Mm -hmm. and pose a limit and an expression of what one of the Ten Commandments would say about that. Mm -hmm. And so in this verse, you have two commandments working alongside of each other. The question of you shall not murder mm-hmm. and the question of uh, you should not covet your neighbor's relationships, which talks about servitude and, and class system and so on. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, So two things to understand. One, slaves had rights 
and slaves were expected to go free every seven years regardless. Okay. Um, but usually it was buying into servitude to someone else because you'd gone on to, to dire straits and they covered mm-hmm. your, they, they basically they took care of you. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, still a horrible institution and something that we should abolish as soon as possible. Uh, but these, these, yeah, buts these, these second degree, third degree laws, kind of like we have laws on the books in the United States mm-hmm. that deal in the same way. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I was, we, we just heard the Derek Chauvin case mm-hmm. and to hear the things that he was charged with, it's like, well, how does that work? Second degree murder, uh, like third degree manslaughter. Um, you know, they, we have these different terms. They're all different ways of meting out justice when the commandment you shall not murder is violated mm-hmm. in some way. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so that's what's happening in Exodus, okay? Okay. Um, and so it's a whole section on laws about slaves. That's one through four. The fifth one, the fifth uh, thing to understand is that even today, God is not going to act contrary to the witness of Scripture. That's, that's the Holy Spirit working. The Holy Spirit is going to work Scripture on you when you hear it. Okay, so one, yep. two, three, four, five. Mm-hmm. Just a little... Refresher there? Yep. All right. So going into this verse, here's what it's actually focusing on. It is not honoring or dishonoring slavery. It's speaking to the reality of slavery within the culture at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, the flow of Scripture as the, the fifth practice, you know, how the Holy Spirit works through the Word of God, the flow of Scripture is always to limit and ultimately to eradicate slavery. It's why during the Civil War... You, you always have people argue their point, especially when they're wrong. Well, the Bible promotes slavery. Mm-hmm. Eh, not quite. The Bible doesn't promote it as an ongoing eternal institution. It limits it constantly uh, to the point that we get to the New Testament and it's talking about there's no Greek or Jew. There's no slave uh, uh, or free. All are one in God's eyes. And all of Scripture speaks to that even in the midst of slavery. But here the question is two things. A man strikes his male or female slave with a rod so hard that the slave dies under his hand. He shall be punished. And you're like, yeah, he should. <laughs> <laughs> but why is he being punished? Well, he's being pun- punished because he's violated the slave's right to live mm-hmm. by taking that life when that's not the role of the master. The master, in the limits of the laws concerning slaves, has responsibilities for the slaves, and one of them is not to burden harshly with punishment. They have the right to correct, mm-hmm. but they don't have the right to kill. Yep. And so the Old Testament law, uh, you kill, you get killed. Yeah. And by taking the life of, uh, basically saying that this is first-degree murder that's being carried out by the landowner or the master to the servant or the slave, and therefore, the master has to pay with his own life. Here's where it gets a little wonky. The second part of it, it says, if, however, <laughs> the slave survives for a day or two, he is not to be punished since the slave is his own property. So is that saying because it was unintentional? Yep. Okay. It's manslaughter. Okay. And so the punishment is not death to the master, Um there is a lesser penalty in that the master has lost property in the servant. Mm-hmm. Okay. Is it right? 
No. It's not talking about right or wrong. It's talking about what were the norms in the culture of ancient Israel mm-hmm. that God placed limits upon. Because if you think about Israel came out of slavery mm-hmm. that was perpetual. It was not by an indentured servitude. But in the economy of the age, slavery as an institution is allowed, with which, but is greatly limited in Israel. Mm-hmm. Okay? So... That's the answer. Uh, um, is is this condoning slavery? It is not condoning it. It is managing it. This verse is. Okay. Okay. Questions, comments, critiques? Critiques. Complaints? To get an understanding of, of the overall issue of slavery, just like the overall issue of women preaching, you have to understand those two other principles, mm-hmm. which is, well, three of them. What proclaims Christ? Right? Does slavery proclaim Christ? Slavery is an institution where Christ can be proclaimed in the midst of it, and Paul discusses that in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. He actually talks about the relationship between slave and master and who, what your relationship is before Christ and how to interact in the world, even though you're equals in Christ's eye, mm-hmm. and why. And, and anyway. Um, but here it's, it's not looking at it long-term like that. But when you use the principle of what proclaims Christ— Scripture interpreting itself, and um, the Holy Spirit is not going to act contrary to the witness of Scripture. Is not going to say something different. Like if someone mm-hmm. came and said, "Hey, God is saying that we need to reimpose slavery," all Christians should go. That's really interesting. Where does it say that in the Bible? Mm-hmm. Whenever we make a change to something, that's where we go to, and that's that understanding of the Holy Spirit's inspiration within Scripture. The Holy Spirit's not going to do something completely contrary to the witness, the biblical narrative of scripture as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, so with those three principles, what do we discover? Well, slavery is not something to be condoned or even even uh, continued, but it's something that's uh, been evil in the world that needed to be brought to an end and still does. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what Christians proclaim that brought an end to slavery in the Western world, in Europe as well as in the United States. It was Christians that was making that push. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. These stories, um, trying to trying to think how to how to ask this question. Even, hey guys, I want to take a minute to highlight a great organization, Fargo Mobile Pack, a partner of Feed My Starving Children, works with volunteers like you to pack meals for hungry children in over seventy countries around the world. For just $0.24 cents per meal, Fargo Mobile Pack is able to help feed malnourished or starving children. Since 2015, Fargo Mobile Pack has packed nearly 7 million meals in Fargo, North Dakota. On February 2nd through the 5th of 2022, Fargo Mobile Pack will be back in action. To find out how you can get involved or to donate, visit fmsc.org slash Fargo Mobile Pack. That's fmsc.org slash Fargo Mobile Pack. You can also find Fargo Mobile Pack on Facebook. Fargo Mobile Pack would like you to join them and help turn hunger into hope. Now, let's get back to the show. What, uh, what are they there for? I guess would be the, would be the, you know, when you, when you boil it down, you know, why are these stories in the Bible? Well, so these these stories, well, right now we're not really reading stories. We're reading basically the ancient law right. of Israel. 
You know what I mean. My mic just keeps dropping on me, and I'm going down with it. <laughs> this reminds me of the old days when we used to do this. <laughs> if you down, the king stands. If you down, like, underneath the table, trying to speak into the mic that keeps dropping down. Um, you, you know what I mean. I, it, so think of it this way. It's the revelation of God in the midst of sinful humanity throughout humanity's history, leading up to God's complete revelation in his person, in the Son, in, in Jesus Christ. That is the, the final revelation. To understand... To be in relationship with God and understand God's will. And you see that the time um, of the Old Testament is God constantly meeting a broken humanity in their brokenness Mm -hmm. and not full-fisted pushing them in a certain direction. And our our bias in the 21st century is to be like, why didn't God just get rid of all this crummy stuff right at the Mm get-go? And it's important to understand that the evolution of society to the day that it is now, we wouldn't have these thoughts about these issues if not for the biblical narrative. Because all of Western society um, can be traced back to the Bible and Greek philosophy. Those are, those are the two starting points. In ancient Rome, um, life was not considered sacred. Life was considered expendable and, and a tool to be used. Mm-hmm. The the primary goal of ancient Rome was victory, not liberty. Right. The American mindset, our primary goal is liberty. And so we're offended when there is a, a, an inequality that is taking place, whether between men and women or, or based on a person's ethnicity mm-hmm. um, or even, you know, e- e- even the institution of slavery as an economic um, and cultural structure is abhorrent to us Mm -hmm. because of the witness of scripture that makes the argument that all life is sacred. And that message is going throughout scripture from the beginning, but it's speak, it's witnessing to it in the midst of a broken humanity. And a lot of the stories in the old Testament are for our benefit Mm -hmm. as an example. Okay. Um, Another example would be like, okay, well, what happened to Pauly? Uh, polygamy. What happened to to you know uh, one husband, many wives, or or one wife, many husbands? What what happened to that? Well, if you read the stories in the Old Testament about when that when that institution is practiced, things always go bad. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So why would you want to be in that type of situation? Right. Right. I I love my wife. I couldn't handle another one. <laughs> no way, man. Um, I'm I'm I'm. I got one boss. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. I look at Abraham with, with Sarah and Hagar. I'm like, Abraham, you're an idiot. And you're, you know, nineties. You're supposed to be wise. Look at you. Just, or, or, you know, Jacob with, with Rachel and Leah. It's just, it's not good. It's not a good way to do things. Yeah. And so what do we have by the time of the new Testament? Well, you have what was already established by the Holy spirit, one man and one woman. Mm Mm-hmm. And that goes all the way back to the beginning. And if you if you trace back to the beginning, what do you have at the beginning? In the garden, you have one man, one woman who are partners, both made in the image of God. They have they have different responsibilities, but they before being marred by sin, they were equal in in every valuable way mm-hmm. in relationship to God, to one another, and to creation. It's only after sin that everything gets all screwed up, mm-hmm. and we have to 
God, God speaks his word, but, but the word is not kept as it should. And so you have suffering, you have, you have humanity turning away from God and it's out of God's long suffering mercy that God doesn't just wipe us all out again, like the flood. Mm -hmm. He did it once. He could do it again, but he's chosen not to, he's chosen to redeem humanity through the son, which means working through broken human systems Mm -hmm. to hopefully emancipate and, and free people in body, mind, and spirit. Mm-hmm. Does, does that make sense? I mean, that's that's the narrative of where scripture is going. So why do we have these stories? To point back and say, look how things were and what was God's response in the midst of those things. Right. People get get wrapped up when they just focus on one verse. It, right, instead of the whole. Mm-hmm. Instead of the whole right. context. It's I, really important. I think another another spot where people get confused or have questions, and maybe you could speak to that, is is the things like last week, or last last episode we talked about, um, you know, uh, uh, it said not to eat shellfish, um, but I like to go to Red Lobster. I haven't had <laughs> rabbit, but I'd like to try it. But it says in the Bible not to, you know, in the Old Testament it says not to have it. Then in the New Testament we get to, you know, d- don't call anything that I've I created. clean. Right. Clean. Yeah. But then we talk about, uh, so, it, you know. So Scripture yeah. interprets itself. There you have the New Testament interpreting the Old Testament. But it's important to remember the Old Testament law, the Mosaic law, mm-hmm. has an expiration date. Even though people were still practicing it in the New Testament, it has an expiration date. Yeah. And when you read the narrative of the Old Testament, God speaks about this. Mm-hmm. I will be your God and you will be my people if you keep my commandments. Mm-hmm. But if you do not keep my commandments, and he wasn't just talking like these weird things like no shellfish or or multicolored clothes. The reason for that was to set the, the Jewish people apart from everyone else. And frankly... In um, 1446 BC, not eating shellfish was probably a good health move. Right. <laughs> or pork. Or pork. Right. Uh, no one knew how to cook the stuff properly or refrigerate it, and it could probably kill you. Right. So, you know, I mean. So I, I, I think, you know, that that's, people can see that, okay, that I, I get that. But then the, like the, the uh, um, and, you know, now we eat shellfish, we wear multicolored clothing. Um, but what about things like, polygamy right again scripture interprets itself that's why that's such an important point what proclaims christ scripture interprets itself and that and and i'm going to use a word here that's not what i mean i don't mean the perspicuity of scripture ever heard that term before i thought perspicuity was the word that you were just talking about you were going to use (laughs) (laughs) i'm sorry go ahead i had to the perspicuity of scripture is the idea that you look at hard verses and you find other ones that make them easier to understand. And so that scripture is completely in alignment with itself. Mm-hmm. That's not what I mean. I mean, scripture interprets itself that when you hear it, it does something to you, mm-hmm. but you can't just hear one thing limited. You got to continue in, in the story. And the more you read, you discover that scripture interprets itself. The new Testament will, make sense of the Old Testament, um, not just harder verses being made sense by simpler verses, um, but that it will, it tells you when things come to an end. Like it, it, it like, like the, the admonition against shellfish in the new Testament, that's come to an end. Well, why has that come to an end? It's come to an end actually, according to the old Testament itself in 587 BC. 
Okay. What happened in 587 BC? God had warned all the way back to the time of Noah around 800, 900 BC. And there was no Mosaic law prior to, to, to uh, back to Moses. Prior to Moses, there was no law mm-hmm. aside from the word of God that had been passed down from Adam and Eve down to the time of Noah and from Noah to his descendants up until um, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Then God begins speaking a word to them. Okay. And it's to their descendants that Moses is sent who gives the full law that becomes the law of Israel throughout from 1446 BC until 587 BC. Mm-hmm. In 1446 BC, the law is given by God on Mount Sinai to Noah that, you know, the, these three drops of stone, yep. two stone tablets. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's a joke for anyone who knows the movie, the Mel Brooks movie. Um, but there, there it's, it's thought that God has given his word to them. And in that word, God says, I will be your God and you will be my people if you keep my commandments. And he warns and says, if you do not keep my commandments, then this covenant is broken by you and I will send you into exile. Your mm-hmm. enemies will break you because you've broken the commandment. Mm-hmm. But even there, God then gives a promise the day is surely coming, says the Lord. Jeremiah, the day is surely coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant mm-hmm. with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. And I always found that so interesting because if you know your history, and that's why it's important to understand the context, mm-hmm. when Jeremiah speaks this prophecy, the day is surely coming when the Lord will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. What always gets me about that is that the house of Israel has not existed for 150 years. It was destroyed in 722 B.C. There was a split in the kingdom, and you had 722 BC is when the Assyrians destroyed what was known as Israel, mm-hmm. the kingdom of Israel. Yep. Wiped it off the map. So what remained was the was the kingdom of Judah. Right. For another 150 years after 722 BC. And then it was conquered by the Babylonians, but it wasn't destroyed. Israel was destroyed. All the Israelites from all the other tribes, Zebulun, uh, Asher, uh, Naphtali, uh, Ephraim, Dan, all those tribes, they were sent into exile in Assyria and, and assimilated into Assyrian culture. Mm-hmm. In other words, they were lost to history and became part of the, the Goyim, the Gentiles. Right? Okay. Judah did not. Judah was sent into exile in Babylon for 70 years according to the word that was given to, um, uh, to Moses. Mm-hmm. Back in 1446 BC. Okay. I, but I will call them back to myself. And what gets me about that is that, okay, there's going to be a new covenant. And it's not only going to call back to God the Jews as they became known, because the Isra- the term Israelite had gone away in 722 BC, 150 years later. I mean, that would be like going back to like, how did people talk about the United States in 1870? Right. As compared to today, it's it's that far removed. Mm-hmm. The world has changed that much, right? Um, they're now known as the Jews, but this promise of a new covenant that will write the law on the hearts and I will know them and I will be their God and they will be my people for I will forget their iniquity and remember their sin no more. That's the prophecy of Jeremiah. Well, what's this new covenant? It takes another 560, 70 almost another 600 years, but it's, it's the new Testament. It's Jesus. New mm-hmm. covenant, new Testament are synonyms. They mean the same thing. It's the promise of Jesus in, in whom, who is reconciled to God, not just the Jews, 
but those who are the descendants at a chromosomal level or two of the Israelite tribes, the Gentiles. And so the promise that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah is the covenant of Jesus, that all are forgiven in his name, Jew and Gentile alike. Mm -hmm. So there you have scripture interpreting itself and laying out why these Old Testament laws were for the people of Israel and not for us today. And, and during Jesus' time, that's what a lot of the rabbis were arguing about. Like, how do we keep these laws? And they didn't just try to keep the laws. They added to the laws, mm-hmm. laws upon laws, because they thought that in keeping these laws, it'll put us in the right relationship with God again. But here's the thing. In 587 BC, the temple is destroyed. And what is taken out of the temple? There's a really important thing that was never returned. The Ark. The Ark of the Covenant. What is the Ark of the Covenant? It is God's physical presence on earth. It's where God says, here's where you will know and come and meet me. A temple was not a church. It was it was like the physical manifestation of that God on earth. That was the difference between a temple and a synagogue. Mm-hmm. Synagogue was a house of prayer and worship. The temple is where you go to meet God in person, mm-hmm. where he promises to be in, in some type of physical way. Well, they rebuilt the temple. Um after 539 BC, God returns everyone. The 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 Exodus or the the I use the date of 587 BC because that's the completion of Babylon conquering Judah. It started in 609 BC. It comes mm-hmm. to an end in 539 BC, 70 years. Okay. And then there's a new ruler in town. It's the Persians. The Babylonians have been kicked out. Mm-hmm. Israel uh Judah has kept its identity in exile and is now called back to Judah, to the to the Holy Land. Mm-hmm. They end up rebuilding their temple. Um, That's why in the New Testament we have temple worship, right? But what's missing? God. God's not there. Mm -hmm. And God has already said, my decrees are done. And from the point, aside from from the time of of the Maccabean Rebellion around 160 BC, from the entire time of the exile to the New Testament, um, Israel is a... Uh, Judah is not in control of its own de- destiny. It's it's control, controlled by outsiders that decide the fate of the land. Mm-hmm. Um, God's not there. And so the law has expired. What is necessary is for the new covenant to be established, and it's established in Jesus. And a lot of these things are done away with as the norm for for righteousness. What makes a person person righteous is not keeping the law mm-hmm. in the new covenant. It's having faith in the one who has kept the law for you completely, Jesus. And in so doing, he establishes the spirit of the law, which is the Ten Commandments. And how those are interpreted are different in every land. But mm-hmm. following the law of the land does not make you righteous. Because all of our laws in the United States are based off of the Ten Commandments. Mm-hmm. But we can't go before God and say, look, I haven't gotten a ticket in two years. <laughs> look at how good I am, God. <laughs> Which is what was being done in the Old Testament mm-hmm. uh, and in the New Testament times to try to get God to be back on the side of Israel. Right. But God had already moved on to establishing the new covenant, which would redeem not just Judah, but all of Israel. Okay. All that had been lost. So, Did you understand what I meant by that with Israel being destroyed and amalgamated into the Assyrians? Mm-hmm. And then God redeems them by redeeming Gentiles. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's it's uh, you know, there's a lot there. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, and that's and that's the context yeah. by which you answer these questions when someone is like, "This just sounds really weird." It's to understand that the Old Testament and the New Testament are not 
synonymously speaking in the same time and culture. Mm -hmm. God is present and God is the same, but God is working God's will in the midst of broken human institutions Mm -hmm. throughout the Old Testament and moving in a direction into the New Testament. And so much of what's given is, it's the word of God, but it's not the word of God for us. It's the word of God for the people in Israel in 922 BC. Right. You know, Mm -hmm. 3,000 years ago. Yeah. The promise to love your neighbor and love God, which is the heart of the law, Mm -hmm. as we hear, is brought back and and established as the norm and you're given liberty because loving people can show itself manifest itself in so many different ways Mm -hmm. and that's kind of scary too rather just just tell me what i have to do (laughs) you you have to follow jesus and he's going to show you what you have to do Mm -hmm. okay good enough does anybody have questions I totally dodged your question, Ryan. I don't even remember what it was. <laughs> it, it was... Why uh, are these stories there? Wh- like why, why are these stories there? And why... Um, why there are some things like, um, you know, don't eat shellfish. Yeah. But now we eat shellfish. Mm-hmm. Uh, back then, they, there was polygamy. And yeah. now we don't. We don't God do God talks about the laws that he gives as a way to set... Israel apart as a holy people that is not like any other nation on on the planet. Mm -hmm. And so we read some of this stuff and think, boy, that's really weird. But at the time, in the context in which it was given, um, it would set Israel apart as, boy, these people are are different. They don't Mm -hmm. do what the rest of the world does. They don't act the way the rest of the world acts. And it was so that they would be a holy nation of priests proclaiming the good news of the one true God to the world. Mm-hmm. Thus, you know, don't eat shellfish. Don't eat, don't eat these different things. Plus, it's you know, if you look at it deeper, it's probably healthier for them not to eat those things mm-hmm. at that time. Okay, I think that this will probably we'll probably circle back to this many times yeah. over our little series that we're doing here on controversial Bible verses. Well, and I'll remind it again: five principles. What pro, uh, Scripture proclaims Christ. Scripture proclaims long gospel. Scripture mm-hmm. has a plain sense. Mm-hmm know its context. Yep. Scripture interprets itself and us, and the Holy Spirit is not going to act contrary to what Scripture proclaims in its witness. Right. Okay. Well, Sarah, you got to get rolling, right? I do. we got to get out of here. Yep. Okay. Uh, would somebody like to pray us out? You got it, Ryan. I got it. I had it last week, didn't I? No. Maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> Heavenly Father, thank you. Uh, thank you for all the blessings. Thank you for your word. Uh, Lord, I pray that... Uh, uh, as we go through these Bible verses, that uh, not only would we talk about um, fun, controversial Bible verses, but we would learn. Uh, we would learn uh, what it is to understand your word and uh, that we would dig deeper into it ourselves so that uh, we don't just uh, listen to what somebody else is saying about it, that we would uh, read it for ourselves. And uh, in Jesus' name, amen. 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 Okay, so every week she says, "You got it, Ryan." Yep, <laughs> she does. She does. She does. I do All right, every now and then. Okay, well, uh, if uh, anybody out there would like to watch a, a service this weekend, we've got our services on Sunday, nine a.m. Tradition service, ten thirty a.m. Modern service. You can find those at atonement.live, atonementfargo.org, or on YouTube by searching Atonement Fargo. So for Sarah DeYoung, Pastor DJ Lura, and Dana Mashevsky. My name is Ryan Janke. 
She's got her hand on the mute button. No, I don't. Join us next week for another riveting episode of that podcast.